just the Lord keeps kind of guiding me. And so we're going to kind of go a week at a time here for a little while. But I felt like the Lord really wanted me to speak about faith. And I started to do um, the scripture where the man's son is really sick and he tells Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. But I feel like this is a little different. It's still about having faith. <laughs> but I think this is where we need to be today. And I hope that you'll be encouraged and challenged. And this is what's going to be different. To have faith together. It's one thing to have faith by yourself. But it's a different thing to have faith together. So hopefully as we work through this passage, the Lord will challenge you, speak to you. And then we can have some good outcomes from today. Let's look together, beginning the book of Mark, chapter 2, and we're just going to go uh, verses 1 uh, down through 5. The scripture says, uh, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. <laughs> and straight may, straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Verse 4. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Today's message has a lot to do with service. And what I want you to think about today is, am I serving people in a way that also draws them near to God? Most of you in the room don't serve in a direct uh, church ministry capacity, right? Most of you are serving, though, all the time. Uh, some of you are serving uh, children and parents. Some of you serve in a hospital. Some of you are serving your spouses, right? Just about everybody in this room should be serving someone. And what I want to challenge you with today is, is your service being used to draw people near uh, to God. First quote this morning, most people wish to serve God, but only in an advisory capacity. Right? Sure, God, I'll, I'll be glad to help you. Here's what you need to do. Now, do preachers ever get that? I know Paul has never had this issue before, but people come up to me and say, I think the church should do this. I think the church should do that. This is what the church should do. And usually what I will tell you is, that's a great idea. Why don't you start it? <laughs> right? What I'm talking about today is a humility that says, Lord, when you guide and you lead, I will obey. For just a quick second, who has served you in the past week? Who served you this past week? Probably a lot of people if you've come to think of it, right? How did you treat them? Did their service bring glory to God? Wendy and I were just at a funeral, and at the funeral they had a fantastic meal. I hate to almost say this that loud, but Rick, their barbecue was almost as good as yours. It was good. And when we finished, they were so caring and compassionate and kind. And I could see how that their service 
drew us closer to the Lord because we could see the Lord in their work, right? But maybe it was somebody at McDonald's or Starbucks or maybe it was at a gas station or maybe you had a flat tire. Who served you this week? How did it have an impact on you? Now let's flip it again. Who did you serve this past week? Right? I have to serve a bunch of old grouchy teachers. And they never listen. I tell them what to do and they don't listen. And I got to tell them again. Right? Are you serving with grace and humility? Is your service drawing people closer to Christ? Who have you helped? So a simple question this, this morning is kind of think of the whole sermon. Who is closer to Jesus or closer to Christ because you help them in Jesus' name? Is this the only place we can help people in Jesus' name? Lord, help us if it is, right? No, you need to be helping where you're at. And I love looking out over this room because I know some of you are in the workforce, but some of you are spending most of your time with your family. And family are sometimes the hardest to serve of all, aren't they? Right? Because they take you for granted and you don't want to be abused and you're trying to set boundaries. And it's really important again today that we have a heart of service because our family needs to be drawn to Christ too. Amen? All right, let's start off this morning. We're going to work our way through this incredible story of faith. And hopefully we'll all walk out of here with a little more faith than when we came in. First thought or idea is helpless. Have you ever been helpless? Verse 1, a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. And some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Now, if you go back into Mark chapter 1, you will find out what the deal is. Jesus had just healed a leper, and he told the leper, whatever you do, don't tell anybody about your healing. And what did the leper do? He told everybody what happened. And so guess what happened? There's no Twitter, there's no TikTok, there's no Facebook, but the word spreads like wildfire. This guy came and touched me, and now I don't have to be outside the city gate anymore. I can be with my family. I can be at my work. I can be with my friends. He was amazing. And so all of the sick and all of the helpless and all of the harried and hurting were like, we got to find this guy. Word spreads quick. So Jesus comes to the house, and what we find out when he gets to the house that it is packed. I kind of like the King James word better. That it was the, the press was there. Like I think of the basketball four-court press. There was a press on the house because so many people wanted to get a, a hold of Jesus. And many of them just wanted to see if he would do it again. Wouldn't you like to see that? Wouldn't that be awesome? Quick aside, wouldn't it be awesome if people were coming into our church because they wanted to see Jesus do it again? Right? Yeah, uh, that Cross Life Church, almost every Sunday, there's some sort of miracle happens. This last week I heard about this little boy, and he didn't have any seizures, not even background seizures. It was amazing. <laughs> Two weeks ago I heard about this guy. His heart was so hardened, but his aunt grabbed hold of his hand, and he realized he had made a promise that he would be in the house of the Lord, and God moved and worked on his heart. <laughs> right? If the power of God is present... Even people that don't know Jesus kind of want to see what's going on. And so you have people here that have come to gather, some for actually for themselves, some for their family, but some just to see what is 
happening. So many outside the door, there's no room. Now, here's what I think is interesting. Mark says, not that Jesus was healing, but Jesus was what? He was preaching. Think about that for a second. We don't always think of Jesus as the preacher, do we, right? We think of him as the healer. I usually picture him sitting down on a bench and he's got kids on his lap and he's just loving on them. Or we think of him as the miracle worker, right? We think of him walking on the water or even pushing aside the tomb. But here, Jesus is the preacher. And that was his purpose. And I think some of the reason that he says to the leper, don't tell everybody about your healing, because there'll be so many people wanting the healing, they're going to miss the message. And Jesus is going to use this example today, again, to drive home the message. And it's not be physically Think about that for a second. Jesus is the preacher. And so that's a challenging thing for all of us to be doing as well. Now we find out about a group of four people, and I, would, I can't wait. I hope I can see these guys someday in heaven. They heard the rumors, and they had a buddy, and this buddy couldn't walk. And it wasn't just one guy, but it was four guys who said, if we can get our buddy to this guy, I bet he can be healed. Wasn't just one, wasn't two, it was four people. So they grab their buddy and they go to the house trying to find Jesus. And when they get there, what do they see? Uh-oh, we were too late. Just like the pins trying to get to church and they were too late. <laughs> it's already packed, right? They get up to the house and there's no way in, and they're like, oh, what are we going to do? we got to get our friend to Jesus. So that they pull a really unique move that could probably only be done in their day. A little could be done in our day, but quite a bit more difficult. <laughs> they go up on top of the house, probably a sod roof house. And the picture I have in my mind is, is peeled back, but the, the scripture has a picture of it being broken. So it almost appeared that... Boom, 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 boom. Could you imagine being in the house and Jesus in the room was packed full of people and all of a sudden the ceiling starts dropping down? Were these guys desperate to find help for their friend? Were they going to be stopped? No. I need that. And you need that in our heart for the people that need the Lord. We need a passion that says, I, uh, with the Lord's help, I'm not going to be stopped. I'm going forward. And we're going to go find the Lord where he is because he's the one who can take care of the situation. That's some powerful friendship, isn't it, right? So they get on top of the house, they pull back, and they are, are coming to see Jesus. Now, think about me with just for a second about the paralytic. First thing, I bet he's been hurting for quite a while. He knows the pain. He knows the, the suffering. He knows the feeling of inadequacy that he can't take care of himself. And that's a hard place to be. You ever been there? And you can't fix yourself? My dad's been there the last couple months, and it's been really hard on him. I'm a man. I can take care of myself. <laughs> he would tell my mom, don't do that, don't do that, you know. And then he gets to a spot where he's like, uh, somebody's got to do this, right? Can I tell you today that when it comes to your spiritual condition, you cannot take care of yourself? Hear the Lord today. There are so many people in the world that listen to so many of these self-help gurus and all this craziness. 
And well, if you just try harder, if you'll just work at it more, if you'll just be stronger, faster, smarter, kinder, more loving, you can do it. And the message again today is you can't do it. You need the Lord. And this guy needed the Lord. He could not help himself. Who knows, he may have been ashamed because in Jesus' day there was a real stigma. It's not in our day, but in Jesus' day, if you were, had a sickness in your family, that was usually tied to sin. So if you had a, a paralytic, there was probably a sin that he did or his mother or father committed, and that's why he was in that situation. So there would even be some shame upon the house tied to the sin. And again, he can't do anything about his problem. And I want to challenge you this morning. There are all kinds of people around you and me every week who need help and are helpless. And I tell you today, some of them live in Carmel. <laughs> they live in Hamilton County. They live in the big houses right behind the church. Yes, there are definitely people who are homeless and poor who are helpless, and we need to reach out to them. But there may be some people, you'd be surprised how helpless they really are in their mind and in their heart, even though they have so much wealth. Riddled with guilt and shame, they don't know where to go or what to do. But I would encourage you again today, there is hope for them if we will serve them. They bring the helpless man to Jesus. And let's look at their next thing this morning. This is a challenge to all of us. They are persistent. They do not quit. Don't give up. Verse 4, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. And when Jesus saw, when Jesus saw what? Not the faith of the paralytic. <laughs> when he saw the faith of the four men, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Again, these guys, in my mind, are truly Amazing. They don't have the power to heal, but they know who does. They look past their friend's sickness. Some people would be turned off by someone who was hurting. They wouldn't want to get their hands dirty. We know helping others can be a messy proposition, but they dug in for their friend's sake that they could find healing for him. And again, as they try to bring their friend to Jesus, they realize that maybe we've got to do this a different way. They could have made a bunch of excuses, but the love of their friend kept them pursuing a solution. Excuses, anybody? Well, you know, if you give money to a homeless person, they probably just get to go spend it on a hotel or drugs or gamble. So we're not going to really help them. Amen? Please don't say amen. Right? Well, you know, I mean, you don't want to be a, getting a codependent with some sort of addict. You just... Just they'll have to figure that all by, by themselves. Sorry. Oh, boy. I'm so glad we don't have a bunch of little kids running around our church because they make everything so messy and they write on the walls and they tear up the stuff and microphones are broken and the sound system doesn't work and the bathrooms don't work right because all those kids just mess everything up. We don't want anything with like that, do we? Sometimes we get a little put off by the mess, don't we, right? Not these guys. Their friend needed help. They didn't care about the mess, and they were looking for something. They had to be creative, and you guys, sometimes with the Lord's help, we have to be creative 
as well. It's a little unconventional. It's not the way everybody else would do it. It may not be the four spiritual laws or the Romans road or the sinner's prayer, but they are bringing their dear friend to the master. And I think, and maybe this is some penology here, but I think it also appears that they didn't think they were going to have to raise this guy back out. They had faith. We're going to drop this guy in, and the Lord is going to walk him out. <laughs> Do you believe? Do you? You're smiling at me. But I really want to challenge you this morning. This is where I think the Lord is speaking to my heart. Do you really believe? Do you think the Lord can take an addict and heal him from their addiction? Do you think the Lord can take a marriage that is broken and heal it and restore it? Do you think the Lord can take an agnostic and someone who disregards him for most of their life and change that person's heart to where they confess and are saved and are changed? Yes. I believe. I believe. These guys, they believe. Challenge again this morning. How's your faith right now? Who do you expect to see walking out the door, or if you will, up out of the baptistry? I'm embarrassed to show you the baptistry today. It's kind of dirty. You know why that is? We haven't had a baptism in a while. Anybody here got any faith? Eh, there's not a whole bunch of us. What can we really do? We'll just do our thing. You guys, <laughs> if we will believe in the Lord, he will do the work, and we can start seeing people come up out of their mess and out of their trouble and into reconciliation and into redemption and ultimately into heaven. But we need to believe. We need to believe. It's been too long. Again, I'm challenging you this morning. I'm challenging myself too. Hear me out today. I think our faith sometimes is weak. We need to, like we talked about last week, we need to ask and to seek and to knock. The Lord is sitting there waiting for us to ask. And we keep trying to figure it out on our own. And he says, why don't you just ask me? I'll take care of it. I can handle it. I can make the world in six days. It's really not a problem. Right? We got, oh, I'll do this on my own. Ask, seek, and knock that the Lord would move. We know our unsaved friends and loved ones still have a free will. But we need a faith that pushes us to serve them that they would know Jesus and when Jesus, the scripture says, I love that, when he sees the men, the four guys, when he sees their faith, he acts. It's so interesting. It's not just the faith of the paralytic that moves our Lord, but the faith of his friends that moves his heart to act. What if God would see us 20 people here today and we had a heart that was united together believing that God was going to do things and we would come together and we would bring our sick friends together and bring them to the Lord and say, Lord, we know you are the only one who can help with this situation. Would you act for your glory and for your power? You think the Lord would move? When he sees their faith, he acts. I think so often we're like, let's leave it on the person that we're concerned about. Well, it's all about that person's faith. Not in this situation, it wasn't. Here's an example where four people had faith and Jesus honored their faith. Does Jesus see our faith? Of course, Jesus, then he does the most incredible thing for this man. Even greater than giving back his ability to walk, what does he do? Son, your sins are forgiven. 
what? No, no, Jesus, I think you're confused. We, didn't, we weren't looking for forgiveness. We were looking for the ability to walk and to run. Was Jesus there to heal? What was he doing again? Where did we start at? He was preaching the word. He didn't show up to heal. He showed up to speak truth that there would be repentance. And then after repentance, there would be forgiveness. And you guys, this is the core of the human problem. Hear me out today. I love you that you pray. And I love us that we pray for our friends who are sick and who are hurting. And we, people have bad car trouble and things like that. But the solution to our problem is not a physical healing or a bunch of money or that type of thing. The solution to the problem is repentance and forgiveness and transformation in Jesus' name. That's it. And that's what Jesus brings. And everybody looking around like, what's he doing saying that he forgives his sins? All right, hear me out again. This is sometimes how we talk again pretend talk well heaven sounds great but what i really need is a job right now <laughs> salvation sounds nice but i just need a way out of this addiction hope is inspiring but can you just help me pay my bills sometimes in our desire to help we see the obvious needs but we forget the ultimate one people need forgiveness they need to be reconciled to god through Jesus. That is not penology. That is Jesus speaking today. Do you realize that Jesus is the only way to God and people must find him to have life? Are you willing to think outside of the box to bring your friends to Jesus? Do you really believe we must be persistent in bringing our people to Jesus? We cannot give up. Now, you know what happens when you exercise faith, right? Who else is going to come along? The skeptics. Skeptical is the next term there. Verse 6. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, and they were thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, I'm going to tell you this a few different ways this morning, but it doesn't matter where you are. When people serve in faith, the skeptics will show up. It will happen. So go ahead and prepare yourself. Don't let that be something that defeats you. No, it's coming. And it absolutely happened in this situation. I bet the people in the situation there were really concerned about the roof. Uh, what did those guys just do to the roof? How are we going to fix that? What a mess. I can't can you believe they did that? Oh, somebody's got to clean all that stuff up. But what really got these guys' attention was Jesus claimed that he could forgive sins. They thought he was a blasphemer. And hear me out this morning. They would have been right, <laughs> except for the fact that Jesus was God. So to their credit, they were skeptical about someone making a claim to be God. But, of course, they didn't know Jesus yet. Their only assessment, their assessment was only God could forgive sins. They just didn't realize exactly who they were working with yet. Do you have some skeptical excuses for serving? Why are you helping them? It won't do any good. I've already tried. Don't waste time on them. Anybody made those excuses? I have. How much is this going to cost? Oh, 
We, we just, I don't know. That's not really good, uh, sound financial advice. Can you imagine if some people thought like that when things were going rough? How are we going to build a boat to carry all the animals? <laughs> no, I don't think we can pull that off. If we stand up while they're playing the music, we're going to get thrown in the fire. That's, we want to preserve our life, so we'll have an opportunity later on to talk, right? Let's just bow for now. Hmm? Um, there's no way I'm going against a nine foot six dude with a 50 pound spear and my little smooth stone. That, that isn't going to work. Do you hear how we think sometimes, right? Is our insurance going to cover this? Oh, there's the easy out, right? I don't think insurance will cover it. We don't have to do it. What if I get hurt trying to help somebody? I guarantee some of you, God will call you to outside of your comfort zone to go on a mission field. And some of you will have this excuse right here. It'll be, well, what if I get hurt? The Lord carries Elijah to heaven in a chariot. You think he can't protect you when you're doing what he wants you to do? Do you realize how small we make our God sometimes, right? No, no. Wouldn't we just be better off taking care of ourselves? Please, again, hear the skeptics speak and refute the skeptics. Oh, so encouraging. I wish you guys could all have been there. Corey Mentor did Aunt Verna's funeral message. And he was talking where he was driving. He said it was just for a moment. And he said the devil was speaking to his mind and was saying, do you really believe all this fancy stuff about a heaven someday and a resurrection? Do you think that's really true? And he said, I started hitting my steering wheel as hard as I could. And I said, I believe, I believe, get out of here. (laughs) And it was so encouraging to hear someone of great faith say, yeah, sometimes there's doubt. Sometimes there's temptation. But he, he flushed it away through the power of the Lord. The skeptics are going to come. Sometimes they're going to come in your mind. Sometimes they're physically going to show up in your life and say, hey, you, you, you can't do this. There's a better, easier path for you. And then what does Jesus do, of course? He proves the skeptics wrong. He always does. Life-changing. Look down if you would there in verse 8. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Look in verse 12. He got up, and he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them and this amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Oh, to be there. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been awesome to be there? Oh, man. The blasphemer begins to display his power. He knows what they're thinking. He then meets this man's physical need as a demonstration of his authority to help with the spiritual need. I like what he says. Do you think it's easier to forgive sins or to heal them? For Jesus to forgive sins, he will go all the way to the cross. He will have nails in his hands and his feet and a crown on his head. And I'm sure for him, physical healing was nothing compared to forgiveness. But they didn't know, did they, right? 
So he had to prove himself. And he always proves himself. And he heals the paralytic. Jesus tells the man to take up his mat, to go home. And he does. Now, if you're the guys on the roof, what are you doing? I told you. I mean, that's what I'm doing, right? To my buddies. Rick, I told you, if we would do that, God would move. Didn't I tell you? Woo! That would be so good, wouldn't it? Won't it be so good if we have faith together and we're reaching out to people who are hurting and need and they come and they find the Lord and they find healing and redemption. Then we could say, I told you. What are you talking about this rider having all these problems? God can help in that situation, can't he? I told you. That was their faith. Not pride or arrogance. They just believed. And they got to see their friend walk out the door. When they pulled back up the mat there, there was nobody on it. (laughs) Because the Lord had delivered. Man. Oh, man. What a blessing to see the master reward their faith in action. Just thinking about God rewarding our faith, that should motivate us to serve. If we will continue to be persistent to bringing the helpless to Jesus, despite the skeptics, we will see lives changed for the glory of God. And that is not penology. That is faith. Don't quit. Be persistent. Keep serving and believing and praying. If you will, you will see. We've seen it this morning. We saw it last week. We see it all the time. Sometimes we just don't identify it. God is at work and he is moving. Be persistent. Don't quit. One of my favorite verses, Galatians 1.24, Paul says, And they glorify God because of me. He doesn't say, and they glorified me because of me. <laughs> they glorify God because of me. And that's what I want to see. That's how it should be for us. When we bring our friends to Christ and their lives are changed, God, not us, he should get the glory. All right, another question for you this morning. Who are you working on serving that you may bring them to Christ? Stop for a second. Who is it? I hope that in our context, it's some of those people on those white cards, right? Lord, I love these people, and they're far from you, and I don't want them to be far from you. Give me the right friends and the right stretcher, and I want to get them to you. (laughs) Okay? If you don't have anybody in your life that you're trying to pull to the Lord, then the Lord should be drawing and tugging on your heart even right this moment. And maybe this moment right now is where you say, Lord, open my eyes to who I need to be really bringing to you. Have you given up? Are you willing to go through the roof for them? One one final illustration will be done this morning. This is from Don McCullough. During World War II, England needed to increase its production of coal. And Winston Churchill called together the labor leaders to enlist their support At the end of his presentation, he asked them to picture in their minds a parade which he knew would be held in Piccadilly Circus after the war. You have to know Churchill. He's a motivator like no other. I mean, he could really, they said he weaponized the English language. (laughs) That's how good he was. First, he said, would come the sailors who had kept the vital sea lanes open. This is coming in the parade after they have their victory. Then would come the soldiers who had come home from Dunkirk and then gone on to defeat Rommel in Africa. And then would come the pilots who had driven the Luftwaffe from the sky. 
the last of all, he said, would come a long line of sweat-stained, suit-streaked men in miners' caps. And somebody would cry in the crowd, And where were you during the critical days of our struggle? And from 10,000 throats would come the answer, We were deep in the earth with our faces to the cold. Not all the jobs in the kingdom are prominent, and they're not all glamorous, but it is often the people with their faces to the coal who help the church accomplish its mission. Do you got your face to the coal today? What's a coal miner do? It's a dirty job, isn't it, right? And it's monotonous, isn't it, right? The same thing, the same thing, persistence and belief and hope. If we will have our face to the coal, others can know Christ and his life-changing power. Do you have that faith? Let's stand this morning.